everyone. Um, welcome to Tavan Studio in Conversation. I'm Yasra Mamizadeh. We talk about art design and living creatively with female artists and makers. Today, we have a very special virtual guest, Nahla Al-Tabba'a. Um, it's strange times right now. This is the first time that I'm doing a virtual series, but I think this is good because um, I've always wanted to try it out. <laughs> And now I'm forced to try it out. Um, welcome, Nahla. So glad to have you with us. Hi, Yusra. Thank you so much for having me. And you've got this. Uh, we're just going to have to get used to this this digital world for yeah. a while. I know. I was like, let's let's prolong this a little bit. It'll end. And then because I always do these interviews face to face. But I guess we got to make do. And this isn't too bad. Yeah. Yeah, it's not too bad. <laughs> so, Nahla is an <laughs> independent educator, artist, consultant, urban research. You have worked with various institutions like Art Jamil, Frying Pan Adventures. Previously, you've worked with Sharjah Art Foundations. You are co founder of Daftar Asfar, which is a sketchbook platform. And it just goes on and on and on. <laughs> and you have this like extensive <laughs> education. You did curatorial studies. You um, have a BFA in sculpture. So my question is, like, to to start this whole conversation. Okay. So my first thought is like immediately just going to the current situation right now mm -hmm. of how and what you are doing to navigate your life creatively and artistically in this uh, current lockdown situation. Um, but before we get to that, I would like to hear from you more about your art practice and how you connect all these various aspects and interests that you have like cohesively together. Gosh, so that's been... Uh... A practice in itself, really. It's it's been a journey mm -hmm. because um, I I grew up uh, in a household where both my parents were artists. I was kind of tailored and manicured from a very young age into really thinking creatively, uh, mm -hmm. and and this had to be like even the finer details of how we played games as children or observing my mother's approach to cooking or just watching my parents develop their practices and then applying that to me. So I would say that that thing of being born an artist and kind of embodying that yeah. was was very much how this household was uh, led. And okay. so it came it kind of came naturally. It I mean it came naturally but also it's kind of manipulative, huh? Like two mm. two artist <laughs> parents, you know, the, I'm their firstborn and you know they're instilling <laughs> in me this like like I had an art education before I went to nursery school or like my oh, first okay. memories of education was actually art and painting. Oh, wow. And awesome. yeah, uh, <laughs> so kind of <laughs> were you like, were you like the opposite, like opposite Middle Eastern family? You're like, no, you will not become a doctor. No, so you will not become. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there, there was a bit of that for sure. And mm -hmm. um, now when I look back, there, there were times in my life where before I studied art, I wanted to study um, cultural studies. So social and cultural mm. studies with film studies was my first kind of um, degree that I did not complete. 
So that okay. was kind of my act of rebellion against the art world and wanting to do something fundamentally that kind of grounded me with people, grounded me with cultures, um, mm-hmm. made made me think about the wider capacity of of this world and understanding it. So I think I still had an anthropological and a social urge to and a curiosity uh, mm-hmm. that that kind of coupled with with making and making art. Eventually I did move on to do sculpture, but actually yeah. more than my degree of studying sculpture, it was the urban living in London where where I studied that really impacted me as well to consider a socially engaged practice, which mm-hmm. then ends up becoming this very broad thing. It's like a very loose term. You say socially engaged yeah. practitioner and it means so many things because yeah. you're Part activist in, in this kind of shy, quiet, shielded way. You're you can engage with food. You can engage with um, the making, the communities, uh, the people. Um, I came across a term recently that described it as conditional art. So, an artist is um, provided with conditions, and then they mm-hmm. engage with these conditions. So, I think that's also sitting well with me these days is it like like adaptability adaptability and it it's almost like thinking like an artist Mm -hmm. across all spectrums of life if that makes sense Mm. yeah so kind of like incorporating it everywhere yeah or seeing everything as like artistic creative project exactly yeah Mm -hmm. like the same soul sort of spills on like oozes onto everything and yeah. and the similar intentions are porous. So I don't mm-hmm. know if I want to romanticize it and call it the artist's soul, but it's definitely coming from the same person. <laughs> so when you when you practice when you talk about like your art practice, is it a, a much more um, holistic approach, a holistic definition rather than like my art practices. I do this in sculpture. I do this with food. I do this with social engagement. Um, when you, when you talk about it, is it a more like well-rounded, all of, all of it together, it becomes your practice? These days, yes. It's yeah. become much easier to, to understand that these things do not need to be separated at all. And I mm-hmm. think with my last project, my commission with Art Dubai, um, the Campus Art Dubai residency was all about yeah. encompassing the various elements of my interests and realizing exactly this, that it is a holistic mm. practice. Yeah. So you're very much involved with food right Mm -hmm. um i I see your um instagram well especially right now it's first of all lockdown time and ramadan (laughs) time so it's like (laughs) super food focused yeah Uh, but could you talk about your involvement with um frying pan adventures and and how that also is like this alternative art practice that you have for sure. I mean, I, I can start by saying that uh, food was such a large part of my life um, mm. in the sense that I was always really fascinated by food literature. I watched a lot of travel and culture shows growing up and a lot of food shows. And I really enjoyed the the problem solving elements of food. This, this mm. idea of raw materials once you unpack them, they have this socio-geopolitical context to them. But also once you pair them together, they 
they combine into something new. So I always love the alchemical process of it, the the emotional elements of it, and the way it can tell stories. Um, we're not a shy family when it comes to cooking. Uh, my mother and both my grandmothers are extremely confident cooks. My grandmother actually, in the 50s, this is really interesting, and I love the story because sometimes I, I kind of understand where my um, excitement for sharing recipes mm. and doting upon people comes from. Yeah. Uh, she, my mom's family in the 50s were based in Washington, D.C. Uh, okay. My grandfather was the military attache there for Pakistan. And my grandmother was just this like stunning, uh, very lovely lady who had a cooking show. So she had a cooking show in D.C., and taught Americans how to eat Bengali foods. And apparently she had like this column in the newspaper. And what? so, there, the, and <laughs> okay. as, as diplomats, they were always really obliged to really host people. And, and by hosting, they always had to select menus that were very much about that, like cultural bridging. Mm-hmm. So, so food was this act of diplomacy. And that's probably how I grew up knowing it. Uh, stumbling across frying pan adventures when I moved to Dubai was really an epiphany. I I love that story so much because I moved to Dubai. Yeah, I moved to Dubai six (laughs) years ago. Well, Sharjah first and then Dubai from Jordan. Uh, in search of, um, just, just wanting to know like what, what was in the underbelly of the city and you know, Dubai, honey, it's, it's, uh, changes at such a rapid speed like if I think yes. of our art or creative community or had done socially engaged community six years ago versus now it's it's really incredible yeah. how things have merged mm-hmm. every time I would google something like alternative things to do in Dubai this mm-hmm. brilliant company would pop up and the thing that made me so mesmerized by frying pan adventures was was exactly this uh, their practice of walking urban research, storytelling, and in a way being advocates for the lesser known communities of Dubai. And Mm. so I always thought, I hope one day I get to meet them. I hope one day I get to work there. And that was just something I kind of buried. I ended up going on a tour, applying for the job, three rounds later, six months worth of training. Uh, We're an intense team when it comes to, yeah, like the, the academics around food, presentation what does it mean to be a guide the humility of like hospitality as well yani taking care of people having that responsibility dealing with the different restaurants and really owning the story uh when when we're taking people on our walking food tours that that was all combined and I think what that gave me was really this opportunity to be this doting generous person somebody mm-hmm. who could really shed light um with a lot of things with like humor with um yeah, any uh, a lightness onto maybe the the more difficult questions that a tourist yeah. would come with when when they're here and plus visiting these restaurants and feeling like they are part of our extended family as well so these restaurants, they're mm. hand-picked, curated, uh, like, yes. 
places that you go to. So what's the focus of these places? Like what differentiates what you do from, I, I guess what I'm saying is that like, I feel like Dubai has this image that um, dislike, you know, these super high end restaurants and these super fancy places and whatnot. These are not the places that you tackle during um, your tours, right? No. At the time when uh, Frank Pan Adventures was first founded, Dubai was very much old Dubai and new Dubai. That has merged okay. in a sense. There are so many sub-layers to that now, mm-hmm. so it's much more mm-hmm. complex. But ultimately, what we're looking for are independent eateries, ones with just a brilliant story, um, exquisite food, of course. And mm-hmm. that showcase of, of something that is humble, but um, we we still look for restaurants who... Anywhere where we could end up like meeting the owner and knowing that this is really yeah. coming from like that that hand of the person who who runs the place every day. So that passion, that commitment, that the the nicheness of it, right? Yeah, right. Um, so then, so then you started working there, mm. um, and you cultivated this. Um, this passion, but also this expertise and mm. um, this type of work. And now, right now, with the lockdown happening and you being from home, you've kind of like extended this type of experience, but from a, a, an isolated space. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. You want to talk a little bit about what you're doing right now? I mean, uh, I can talk a little bit about my cooking practice because that actually predates uh, Frying Pan Adventures. Do it. Yeah. When I uh, first moved to Sharjah, Mm -hmm. one of the things that I found quite shocking about the UAE was um, people's reliance on eating out all the time. In Jordan, eating out for us is a treat. It's something Mm. we do like fortnightly. We eat seasonally. Uh, generally, it's like tabikh. It's foods from yeah. the house. And, oh. and that's, yeah, that's how we've always eaten. I come to a place like Sharjah and all we do every day in the office is order takeouts. And mm-hmm. um, what really took me aback about life in the UAE was this lifestyle of eating out all the time mm-hmm. and uh, relying on takeout and offices and that kind of thing. And Another thing that sort of started to happen was um, I saw quite uh, quite a shift in even moving within the Middle East. So I grew up in the Levantine part of the Middle East. So adapting to the Gulf was was quite different for me, but also really fascinating because it also kind of honored my my South Asian roots too. Okay, and um, so. Walking in supermarkets was an absolute education. You could see, yeah. especially in a place like Sharjah, you would have, for example, the the Syrian supermarkets that would have uh, stuff from home and like very, very specific things. You go to, um, for example, an Indian supermarket, you find these these things that are just suddenly so accessible. And so as my little side hustle, because I don't mm. know, like having one job, it just isn't enough for me. I mm-hmm. would cook for my colleagues every day. So I'd send them a weekly menu. They would sign up to it. And um, I did this for like two and a half years. 
What? every day that's amazing yeah so, so you just made this business for yourself and you're like yeah <laughs> i really love i really love cooking and i want to cook for you guys yeah and uh actually my tagline was um what was it the neighborly auntie to your bachelor cooking and that's exactly <laughs> what it was like we're we're all kind of alone here I still want to embody that that auntiness and this is this is the only way I know how so from there the cooking turned into a blog uh, I got a big education on 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 how to cook in this very like unapologetic very resourceful way responding to what I was in the mood for what I was thinking about what I came across that inspired me and I just had these amazing colleagues who were like yeah we will we'll eat we anything you put on the table and so <laughs> that uh, knowledge had already given me this this foundation in the humble cooking experience Mm -hmm. uh, I also found it extremely meditative. Uh, never was it exhausting to mm -hmm. come home from my hectic nine to five job and then like cook from six till 10. Like I never actually felt yeah. that that pain. It mm -hmm. just was something that that naturally I did all the time. From there, I would start to host supper clubs. And that that became something that I revived a few years uh, later as well. And Amazing. then uh, COVID happens. So <laughs> even even with that, though, I'm still doing deliveries. I'm still telling stories. I'm still I'm still trying to share recipes online that 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 are kind of easy and accessible. But yeah, well, this is what I wanted yeah. to um, expand on and mm. ask you: is that it's it's the food, but also so much more than yes. the food like yeah. there's the el this element of the the research that goes behind mm -hmm. it and the nostalgic nostalgic you know storytelling yeah. uh and the the inf information that you're also passing on uh to people so it's like this whole um it's a whole process mm -hmm. right yeah that's really cool it's yeah and how have how has it been received so far so far, so good. But hey, it's it's a confusing <laughs> time, right? Uh, we're in lockdown one week, and then suddenly restaurants are opening up again. And yeah, I think everyone's a little bit frazzled. But I think what people have appreciated about my food is is the details that that kind mm -hmm. of come with it. So there's like this handwritten note, uh, kind of mm -hmm. detailing like why why I thought of this dish and what it means, and uh, that that kind of goes along with the dish i'm now adding playlists to that experience so you can yeah kind of i listen. saw your spotify <laughs> list <laughs> yeah because awesome. yeah it's yeah i i want to be able to give more than just just the foods it's that it's that full package and and it's really just it's not just about like feeding per se but but kind of a showing that i care or addressing it's vulnerability about feeding the, the soul yeah yeah all of it <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so I've I've seen recently you have um, well not I don't know if it's recent or I've just noticed recently that uh, in in addition to your recipes and the and the food um, you're adding uh, illustrations and you're like doing drawings on them mm -hmm. on these explanations. So this will kind of bring me back to your um, other 
art practice, which is like actual illustrative work and maybe your um, sculpture work. You want to talk uh, about that, how kind of how you started and how um, your practice maybe has evolved. Mm-hmm. Growing up in, in a household where uh, my parents were artists meant that uh, production or making was mm. a big part of my life, whether it was witnessing them or just carrying on with my own ability mm-hmm. to make. I studied sculpture, uh, even though I was never prepared. I didn't know that my professors believed in the sculptural aspect of me. I, I didn't know that existed. And um, college college is a different place, right? Because you have this immense studio space. You, you mm. have this this kind of freedom and this ability to kind of work with something and just and just keep going. So at that time, I was producing much larger scale installations, uh, committing all my time and my energy to that. And they often embodied the landscapes that I grew up with. Okay. I grew up in the countryside and traumatically, we had to leave that place. And so kind of creating these capsules or landscapes was was my way of sort of freezing in time these fragments of another place. Mm-hmm. Now, I just happened to be one of those people who graduated in 2009. That was uh, when the recession hit and mm. we were not trained to know what it was like to be in the real world. Uh, we, 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 we just had no idea what what this was going to look like. I mean, I had been interning. Probably even working. more so as an artist. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> we had like one week where a few speakers came and, and told us a few things. And even having a website was so rare. Like there was, there was, there was, we didn't even know how to document our work. Like, yeah, it mm-hmm. was so, I don't know, just we were not prepared for that. And um, I mean, I was lucky that, I always worked through university, so I always had internships. I was, I was always volunteering or, or doing something or getting some kind of experience. So mm-hmm. when I moved back to Jordan from London, uh, sure, I exhibited a few times and I had this very tongue-in-cheek way of like messing with the, the art community at that time, which was very much divided into a couple of nonprofit institutions who had like their their very firm beliefs and then this this commercial mm-hmm. uh yeah any art uh, landscape and there was barely much going on for emerging practitioners as well so like melding the two was was very difficult and then mm-hmm. i came in with these uh installations and it, it was still old school in the sense that I'd have uh, one gallery owner say, but this is not art. Yeah. And it was that. Okay. (laughs) That's that. That was what 2009 looked like for me. Uh, Um, But also, that's the thing. I think maybe similar. I I think I had the same kind of emotional uh, reaction even recently with COVID is that I didn't feel very essential. Yani, I went mm. to this great school. Wallah, I came back. Wow. That set to be London. Yani, there was all this like mysticism around. You, know, you right. go to this art school. But as you come back, you face you face real life, especially in Jordan. And yani, you're talking about 
I want to say a year after that, or maybe two years after that, was the Arab Spring. And we were catapulted mm. into an urgency that, where we had to be reactive in a way that was yeah, not like, going to be confined to yeah. an exhibition and right. selling a print. or Nobody like, had time for that. Abadan. No. <laughs> and so that's, I think, when, when I started to feel like, right, no, there's a much bigger role to play. And mm-hmm. this is when I would say my practice or my profession started to become more socially engaged. I became mm-hmm. more concerned with exhibition making, honing a community, being part of this art community and sort of collaborating. Uh, it doesn't mean mm-hmm. that I left that sculptural practice altogether. It, it was yeah. there. It just was no longer the only thing I was doing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and and that's that's a tough thing about sculpture, right? So it's very much defined by the space you have. Uh, in Jordan, my studio was an extension of my bedroom. I kind of had this like sunroom where I was able to work. Mm-hmm. I moved to Sharjah or the UAE, and the first time I've had access to a studio space in the last six years has been thanks to Campus Art Dubai. Nice. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that really shifts your understanding of a practice, actually, because what mm-hmm. was I doing in six years? I mean, I was definitely practicing something. Right, right. But it was this non-traditional thing of, well, uh, I'm doing sculpture or I'm exhibiting my work. It was just kind of horizontal and like finding itself in different things. And so drawing as a practice kind of just emerged um even though I never thought I had mm-hmm. it in me to draw, I didn't know I could draw. <laughs> yeah, it 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 just, just came out. I mean, it came out because uh, there there were restrictions, and the drawings themselves they have this kind of naive, childlike qualities, but then respond to like very banal or 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 sort of conditions that that I kind of Mm -hmm. feel and see. Mm -hmm. What you've probably seen on Instagram recently, actually, is a collaboration I've I've been doing with my um, partners in Daftar Asfar. So Mm -hmm. the three of us during lockdown kind of wanted to find a way to just be playful, be be a little bit lighthearted, and in a way just just comfort each other. Oh, wait, so Daftar Asfar started with COVID? No, 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 no. Uh, Daftar Asfar itself is like a three-year-old project. Oh, okay. okay. But the more recent illustrations you might be seeing yes. on my on my feed are related to a collaborative project or yeah. a, a sketchbook edition. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. That is our latest one. And this involves um, a digital file being uh, sent to the three of us in different orders and us adding our layers and interpretations. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Um so do you f- do you feel like during that time where you kind of made that decision to um not be like full-time sculpture, full-time mm. this was that hard for you in terms of defining like what yes. you do? Yeah. Extremely. Uh I'll mm-hmm. I'll start by saying that um One thing I had to unlearn was uh, the traditional career of a vertical artist, right? Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. uh, I didn't have the chance to 
participate in biennials ولا mm. saw my work well, you know the, yeah, yeah. the dreams that you're raised with and what the, the, the <laughs> or the expectations that the come expectations. out it's like if, yeah, if yeah. you want if you want the profession of an artist you, this these are the outcomes mm-hmm. that must come otherwise then what the hell are you doing yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly so yeah. so there was a lot of that I think that that I that I had to consider uh, mm-hmm. first and foremost I didn't mind it a whole lot but sure like the question would would come about like why do you make mm-hmm. work mm-hmm. anyway nobody sees mm-hmm. it you're mm-hmm. not selling are you living off of it are you not I'm like no yeah uh, and and that's that's okay uh, defining what I do yes it's um, it did take some some time absolutely because working full-time with institutions I mean this happens to anybody right uh, when mm-hmm. an artist ends up um, kind of committing to a full job they will f- full-time job sorry they will feel that strain of oh we no longer have time for our creative practice yes. this happens a lot this is this mm-hmm. is absolutely natural and I think there needs to be something defiant in you and you really just need to redefine the terms and That's what I became comfortable with early on. Mm-hmm. And I'd look at my schedule that was already yeah. very full and say, okay, what do I have time for? Like, I, I need to be realistic about this. It's it's not going to be what it was if, if I don't have the resources. Yeah. And, 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 and I think this is where it comes to that feeling, well, my, I'm already embodying the artist. So everything mm-hmm. I do is making. So like, mm-hmm. why am I so attached to... This like label, or... yeah. This label or or these expectations of of what the outputs should be. And going back to something like Daftar Asfar, a Daftar Asfar is a traveling sketchbook collective. And mm-hmm. this project, I mean, I'm going to talk about one aspect of it which has always inspired me. Like every time I think, right, I don't have time to do something, I'm like, no. But we launched Daftar Asfar <laughs> digitally remotely Lena at the time was in New Mexico Sara my other partner was in Amman I was in Dubai we all had full-time jobs and we had the sketchbook that we had to physically like take around and pass to artists and mm-hmm. we've produced five of those sketchbooks oh, awesome. somehow yeah. um Botem no sorry Skype was banned at one point we we could barely like we barely had ways to communicate and and Again, somehow we made all these things work, despite mm-hmm. everything else going on in our life. And um, that was my defiance, actually. That was my act of resilience in the sense that, no, like, I, I do what I do for a living. Be- and, of course, I absolutely love what I do for a living. Mm-hmm. But I truly believe that I can still make things happen uh, in my personal practice. I also have this... Um, I practice energy healing and okay. one of the first lessons I learned was that this is gonna sound like uh, quite airy fairy but I'll say it anyway It's okay, because we like it might that. inspire you yeah <laughs> that time is a man is a man-made concept mm-hmm. okay and boy um, are we feeling it right now yeah 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 <laughs> and and we have the ability to slow down time bend time and speed up time and so for me The reason why I've been okay with doing so much in my day is because I literally 
believe I can do all those things. Like I've my mind kind of slots things mm-hmm. in in a way that that makes this computer slash me <laughs> the slash whatever program I'm operating on kind of like run its course. Interesting. Yeah. So it looks like you take the like the worry <laughs> aspect out of the process or something. Cause that usually like takes up a lot of time, maybe. Yeah, I need I, I think it's in us, but I've, I think I've just learned to be kinder. Yeah. To yourself? Yeah. 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 And, yeah. and kinder about like what, what an art mm-hmm. practice is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. To not be too harsh on yourself. It's so funny because I remember having a conversation with another artist once. And this is when I had just moved to Dubai. And I was really like, oh, my God, like really trying to just figure out my like you know when you move to a new place you just like Mm. you start like who am I what am I like what what is what is it that I do Mm. um and and I remember telling her that I was like I haven't produced work Mm -hmm. in a while and it's like I'm almost like scared to start producing work like holding a pencil in my hand right now it's actually a little bit terrifying so I guess I'm not an artist anymore and I remember she she was like she's like don't let anyone ever take that away from you like that doesn't go away you might stop producing for some time for however long but the but being an artist is not something that just Mm -hmm. leaves you so I feel but look I I feel you because Mm. I I definitely went through that and it it affects your self-esteem and and like you said everything everything um Elizabeth Gilbert wrote a fantastic book called Big the Magic. Magic. Oh, yeah, yeah girl. Uh, living yeah. Beyond Fear. <laughs> One chapter uh, mm-hmm. that always stuck with me was um, this idea that if you're not inspired, I believe it was her. Uh, I'm now wondering if it's another book that I read. But this idea that if you're blocked and mm-hmm. you can't do your art anymore, mm-hmm. Take on another problem-solving skill that uses the same mechanisms in your brain and see how that then kind of reawakens. Mm. Yeah, how it will transmit the same kind of signals to your brain to start producing. And mm. I think that's what that's why cooking became so important mm. for me because it felt exactly the same. The kitchen becomes a studio, raw material, yep. There's a context, there's um, elements, everything, everything, put them together and element of surprise. (laughs) Exactly. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. That's really true. I really do give give that advice to a lot of people. Mm -hmm. Um, Another good one I got, there's another book called uh, Your Inner Critic is Being a Jerk. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And one chapter is titled labels are for canned peaches and I love that because <laughs> it's like yeah do you yeah. Yani, do you really really need to sit and right. define like halas I became less self-conscious about the whole defining totally thing, totally which is why I send you a bio that's so long because yeah 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 no but that's so true I feel like mm-hmm. The a big part with, uh, and that's why I wanted to talk to you per se about this stuff because of all the different types of work that you do, mm-hmm. is that how important, how important is a label? Is it really important for 
us like for as an individual or is it so hyped up and big because of our surroundings and what we will tell people and and like who who is this important for yeah i i think that 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 really depends on your audience mm, uh mm-hmm. i think kind of branding uh, even as a concept has expanded a lot so a few years ago if I were to be coached in branding, it would have been, Nahla, what do you want to be known for? Mm-hmm. Don't be a jack of all trades. Uh, yeah. yeah. Don't be a jack of all trades, master mm-hmm. of none. Actually, I think that's that's kind of whatever. Yeah. A yeah. little bit. Yeah. I, d- yeah. I don't I don't think that's that's there anymore. And um sometimes it's it's kind of nice to open it up to other people to interpret who you are. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and and let them let them gauge it, Yani. Um yeah. having said that though, I'm working on developing a website and I had a meeting with uh Moylan Yuan, who's my uh she's I've collaborated with her several times and she's going to be designing my logo. But even mm. having that meeting to sit down and mm-hmm. establish well what 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 is this going to look like? What what yeah. is it? And how is it going to encompass all these things? Mm-hmm. Alayin had like God help her, but yeah. um, <laughs> having the ability to talk about it more helps mm-hmm. the definitions come yes. through for sure. Yes, yeah, and I guess I you'll also, kind of yeah, yeah. yeah go Sorry, ahead. I I wanted to add another thing about artists. Um, what I've never had, which is why it's probably easier for me to be less maybe self-conscious about mm-hmm. uh, what my practice is, is because I've never been bound to many exhibitions and residencies and having these deadlines and my entire career uh, mm-hmm. depend, I mean, being completely dependent on these things. And I think that that becomes very different for you when your career is to be an exhibiting artist. Or an yes. artist that is represented by institutions. Yes, this is when yeah it gets yeah, even to have to to kind of have your own time versus working on other maybe like how can I say I think the stakes are just so much mm. higher mm-hmm. and so that in itself becomes um, trying to figure out what that that point was but it was it was kind of what you were saying about that that definition or the expectations around being mm-hmm, an artist mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. well so it's like the pressure of constantly producing and making mm-hmm. sure that there's yeah. stuff coming out yeah and if you're not producing scary. then yeah because <laughs> i mean in in the end i'm still producing when when i want to produce so whether it's like daily whether it's um any at, well, at my own pace or right. whatever that is like I still have the freedom to do that but yes I've I've seen my friends who who do this as a full-time career and that's a very different experience because what happens when you're not very inspired to produce or mm-hmm. yeah 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 so I just want to move on right now to um your creative living at home. I always like mm. talking about where artists live and their mm. and their space at home. Um, I love I love 
um, I feel like home is like for me it's also like an extension of myself so like no matter where 100%. I live in the world <laughs> it always still looks kind of it has the yeah. same vibe it kind of looks it's like oh this is like yesterday's home it kind of doesn't matter mm -hmm. under which like four walls mm -hmm. it's in it still has the same vibe and um, so with you like I know you work outside well not now <laughs> it's like now is such a weird time to talk about yeah. all this but like I mean you're out and about a lot and you do you know different projects and whatnot but I feel from the way I mean I've seen you portray yourself on social media and etc that your house is also very um important space for you and it looks like again it's like an extension of you a hundred percent. I, I completely yeah. echo what, what you just said. Um, mm -hmm. Home is, is everything. And it's, it's an extension of me. I am a domesticator of space, no matter mm -hmm. what, whether it was a dorm room, a temporary space, nothing is temporary with me. Yeah. Actually, I, I root myself straight away. Mm -hmm. And so my home, yeah, definitely embodies that. Um, it's, it's peppered with with all the things that keep me inspired mm -hmm. uh, a lot of um, artwork as well I have my office uh, from home too so I mean the the lockdown was was tough but it wasn't the, the toughest on me in terms yeah. of like readjusting my setup and um, I'm very much concerned with home being a space that's alive so mm -hmm. um I do kind of cleanse my home uh, with um, just just certain practices during the day. I yeah, what are some of your what of... are some of your rituals? What are some okay. of your daily rituals? Let's get <laughs> there's, into that. There's 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 <laughs> daily and there's like yearly, but um, homes feel energy, right? So mm -hmm. like if if you're going through a bad time, it's it will be there. It will be it'll it'll absorb that uh, someone not so comfortable comes over that that stuff stays and so there are times when I've kind of like pushed the air out of my house and 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 I'm <laughs> laughing at this because um it was during just a really funny time but I think I just got so fed up with with the presence of like certain people or certain mm. things and um that 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 kind of happened uh I try to surround my house with living things, so lots of plants. I have a cat as well, and I think mm -hmm. between those two things, there's an ecosystem there that's, it's not just about me living in this house, but they embody, yeah, sorry, they, they own this house yeah. or this space as well. Mm -hmm. um, uh, I I do light uh, I do try to light some incense. I had bought this uh, house cleansing kit from Ubud in in Bali that that had a few things in it that were like derived from many cultures. So mm. I kind of placed that. But I've always sort of been somebody who's been kind of inventive with with rituals too. So I just yeah. would come up with like games or little quirks. So that <laughs> like pushing the air was one of them. Yeah. Um, I have this uh, incredible um, sacred painting that I bought from Bhutan mm -hmm. that uh, represents um, this this goddess. Uh, I I can't remember her name, but she was basically the warrior who protected Buddha. 
Okay. And so she's portrayed as this like demon, yani this this warrior. She's like eating people and she's on a Pegasus, okay? So it's very <laughs> intense. But what she also was was the confronter of truth and people. So she was the mirror to everybody. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you you see her and you're confronted with your own yourself. Yeah. Yeah. And when uh, that painting caught my eye in the monastery, they're like, you know, this is this this energy is incredibly strong. Um, and when we when we paint her, we paint her in a private room, and we always have to cover her with a cloth. Like we can't. It's just a lot for pe- people to take in. Oh, and wow. I swear, my I I swear, everything's just been way too truthful since she's she's been in my house. I don't know how to describe it, but like, there's no room for there's no room for BS. Yeah, 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 yeah. I was yeah. gonna like, say I that. I was like, no room for bullshit. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think truths came out. I guess <laughs> so. She's there. Um, what else? Well, I mean, during COVID, uh, because of everything that's happened, mm-hmm. I, I have had to find ways to readapt working spaces. So kind mm-hmm. of a little desk to work on artwork uh, out of. Then uh, my consultation stuff is in another part of the house. So that has its own energy in a way that's, you know, there's a specific light and a mood for that. An office yeah. chair, it's very much like that. Um, my um, my art desk kind of faces the window and therefore faces the canal. So I get this beautiful morning light. My dining and sometimes table. Sometimes you see your, your stingrays. Yes, stingrays. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> The Your balcony, <laughs> yeah, the the balcony is yeah. kind of like a gym now. Um, <laughs> my dining table is like a production photography unit slash um, where I'm doing a lot of my cooking as mm-hmm. well. So every part of the house makes sense. And yes, entering my house feels like I've been living like this for a very long time. Yeah, it's crazy. Not not a temporary Dubai no, flat for sure. No. Wow. Um, do you have a special or a favorite place in your house? Or is it all? I'm a, I'm a creature of habit, right? In the sense that, like, I have a chair very mm-hmm. specific where I do my reading. And I sit mm-hmm. on that chair only in the morning. Okay. When I'm, <laughs> like, like, everything's a favorite place. But, like, it has, this is my OCD, right? So. <laughs> It's like, but I will only do this activity at this time and it responds to this. So mm-hmm. I would be diplomatic and say I love every part of the home. Yeah. So do you feel comfortable with being at home on your own with your... <laughs> no, like, I mean, like, you seem like such an extroverted person, but also people who love their oh houses God. mean that, like, they do like their... They cherish their alone time or, like, it's, they need their alone time. It's so funny that you say I'm extroverted because I've always identified as an introvert. Mm. Until recently, I realized I'm I'm kind of on the spectrum between Me both. Me too. I am. Yeah, well. and it's 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 interesting because I absolutely love solitude. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing I'm extremely grateful for, and I, and and maybe Yanni, I I can echo this across the board of mm-hmm. creative practitioners. We've managed to do staying at home well Mm -hmm. a maybe because we're used to it but b because we just create like we're we're just kind of resourceful in that sense and like it's not like netflix has been my only outlet during this time and 
so yeah, am I am I comfortable being at home? I mean, despite yes, all the emotions and the anxieties right. that we're going through, right. um, and sometimes feeling like yes, I I'm tired it's of the caring re- uh, yeah, for it's other also people. Also, like the I restriction, want, like, yeah, restriction and like needing care. No, I I kind of love the mm. the solitude and the motion. But again, I think I made my house alive. If that makes sense. Like yeah. every every plant, every book, every painting, every any everything is there because it, it represents something. Right. I, I mean, think. like your There's house. There's a dialogue. Yeah, and your home didn't stop becoming a home when when COVID happened. Yes, it continued yes, yes. nurturing yeah. and being yeah. that place for you. Yeah, that's yeah. so funny because I'm also on on the spectrum because people who know me think that I'm extroverted because I'll be mm. I, I talk a lot and I chat and I'll go mm-hmm. out and what's so, but it's always like with certain people it's not with I, I don't have this yes. like constant need to be like I have to be outside and I have to like I'm so not a small talk person mm-hmm. like I <laughs> and I really do cherish also mm-hmm. my at home time and again, mm-hmm. like being at home doesn't always mean like you have to be producing 100% of the time. Definitely. Sometimes just sitting on the couch and thinking like for me, Absolutely. that is doing as well, you know, just being yeah. is doing. And I mean, with, with COVID, there there was this influx in like productivity porn. And mm-hmm. in a way, mm-hmm. like I, that was totally fine because that's, that's everybody trying to cope. And that cope. is one mechanism, mm-hmm. right? But... Mm-hmm. It was very triggering for people who couldn't produce during that totally. time. Yeah, I um I started uh, th- that period going through a very very difficult experience. Um, <laughs> I was supposed to fly back to Jordan just before the borders closed, and that was a very difficult decision to make because home is here, but my family is there. And like, there. what 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 you know? If you if you were going to have to make this choice and it's indefinite, what what you do? I chose my family essentially. Uh, I packed my bags thinking, you know, like this is going to be indefinite, but I'm just, I'll, I'll yeah. just have to make this work. Um, we then get told that anybody arriving into Jordan that day, and you're talking about like 6,000 people arriving at the same time, we're going mm. to be quarantined in hotels across the kingdom. And so we were giving, given the choice to disembark from the aircraft. And my family, I mean, my uncle stepped in, like it became this like big family discussion of Nahla, please don't come home right Mm. now. Like 6,000 people in the airport, it's going to be hell. You're not even going to be able to see your family anytime soon. Just, just, you have the right to stay here. Just, just stay, stay put. And there's, when I turn to like, to gain some comfort about this, there's uh, that saying in Islam about the ta'un. So... If you're in a country that has a pandemic, mm-hmm. you stay. If there's a country that you want to go to that has a pandemic, you do not go. Okay. So you stay. You you just pause. You just that's mm. that's mm. all you can do. So I uh, disembarked that aircraft. Um, it it was it was tough because again I was like. Could, could I have done more? Yeah. The the irony in all of that is that my luggage with my artwork, with my research, with my everything, with basically my office uh, to start working remotely 
was all in the suitcase that ended up going to Jordan. It was like, well, everything that I needed to set myself up again. Mm-hmm. And uh, that that was heartbreaking. Like, yes, okay, it's, it's you know, a lot of this stuff could be regained. But I did spend three weeks, like... Preparing for this, yeah. Yeah, just feeling like, well, I have to start over and I don't even know where to start. Yeah. Um, yeah. I just, I, I, at one point, I have to wake up and pick up these mm-hmm. pieces. And... I did, but I, I, I'm, I'm so grateful for my skill set for doing that. Mm-hmm. And that is the creative problem solving. That is yes. kind of thinking, well, there are many assets to, to how to work, how, mm-hmm. and how, to, how to take on a project, what to do with my time right now. Yeah. And so my time during COVID also kind of meant that, well, I want to be a citizen before anything else. Yani. I want to be there for my community at mm-hmm. And so most of what I've been doing now has been has been that actually. Yeah. COVID decided what you should be doing right now. Basically. Maybe it just <laughs> yeah, it uh, we we yeah. have to respond, right? Like right. we we still need to work with this with this kind of this sense mm-hmm. of urgency and I think my my post apocalyptic personality is one mm-hmm. that is um is so concerned like I do have that existentialist sensitivity of it's it's not just me like I'm responsible for others mm. and that's that's kind of carried out yeah <laughs> in the last couple of weeks so once I healed I switched on again you kind of talked about it but maybe just in a nice little final word from mm-hmm. you how do you Nahla uh, define living creatively for yourself, not for everyone else, but for okay. yourself. Yeah. I think, again, it's it's this ability. There was this buzzword uh, where people got very annoyed that curator was mm. used very loosely. Mm-hmm. You, you curate a playlist, mm-hmm. you curate meals. But actually, if, if it came to living creatively, I would say this is this is something that you have the power to curate and decide. Mm-hmm. Um, so I see creativity as something very holistic, right? So whether it's uh, trying to be playful with how I have my breakfast in the morning to how I take my morning coffee to problem solving on on a conversation, a dilemma at, uh, at work, for example, mm-hmm. to um, building a home. Uh, yeah, I, I think that, that that is what it is. You just em- embody it every day in, mm-hmm. in, in the ways that you can. Without it, any, it, and I don't believe it should be kind of limited to, to one aspect of your life. Yeah. It's, it's mm-hmm. everything. Amazing. It's in it's in the air, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Any cre- creative living is is how you choose your outfits in the morning that best express who who you are or who you want to be that day. Mm-hmm. That that is part of that living. Yes, amazing. Yeah. Ah, it was so lovely talking to you, Nahla. Thank Same you here. so much. Yeah. This was a really nice, fun talk. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I feel like I could talk to you like. 
I know so much longer and, and you need yeah. and you need to come over soon when yes, when all this is over and you I mean, too you need to meet my dog yeah I love my doggy sure. yeah <laughs> I yes. love that yeah yeah so inshallah when all this is over we will meet in person yeah. and continue yeah, our yeah. conversations um, but for the time being I wish you health and fun times at home and continue your creative living um yes so thank you so much this was awesome thank you thanks everyone for listening bye